Hi there. This week, I'm so excited to bring you part of an interview I did with my friend, Scott White. He is an actor and a voice actor. You may know him from things like the Mighty Duck movies or the TV show City Guys. He's also appeared on things like that 70s show, numerous movies. He is a well-known voice actor and he voices things like The Sims and Lego video games and movies. He is an incredible actor with an incredible resume, but also an incredible creator and friend. And we sat down and talked about really the business of being a creative, told stories and shared those stories with you. We also talk about the fact that influencers now can become members of the actors union SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, and what that looks like, what it's like being an actor who's a member of SAG and what the influencer agreement looks like. I pulled that up and broke down some of the restrictions to talk about this new wave of influencers on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube becoming members of the Screen Actors Guild. It's a very interesting conversation and we get into quite a lot of stories. (laughs) So if you're here for it, I am so glad that I get to share this with you. We had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs and I just hope that you enjoy this. Let's get into it. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. You lost it for yourself. Gunner Stahl the Mighty Ducks. Yes, we are going to talk Mighty Ducks stories in this interview. Yes, we are going to talk stories about being a creator and an actor. Yes, we are going to talk about Scott and I knowing each other from the time we were like 11 or 12 years old. But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind you that in February, we have some limited edition items in the Lawnard shop over at lawnardshop.com. So if you are looking for a way to share your Lawnard pride and maybe don't want to wear cursy words on your clothing, I've got you covered with our new designs exclusive for February. So head on over to lawnardshop.com and check it out. We have a limited edition mug that is gone at the end of the month and it's getting close. So be sure to go check out lawnardshop.com for all the merch that you might want to wear to rock your Lawnard love. And now I bring you Emily and Scott. Y'all say hi to Scott. Scott, will you tell them a little bit about your background? Yeah, my name is Scott White. I am a uh, actor and voice actor. I started off uh, acting when I was about 10 years old. Um, I had always dreamed of being in movies and doing voices and playing ice hockey. And and those were my three kind of passion and drawing. I was always drawing. And uh, so um, I started off in acting classes. It took nine months. My folks were not business. They weren't the standard, you know, child actor parents who were forcing their kids into the business at the time. I begged my folks for quite a few months before they allowed me into an acting class because they would drive me out to Van Nuys. And Emily, as you know, Burbank, uh, you know, Van Nuys to Manhattan Beach area, South Bay is that's a big commitment to do once a week. And at 10 years old for a child to just be saying, I want to act. And that's all I want in life. <laughs> and just that rude, too. I was just like, I want to act. God damn it. You know, but I finally became a, uh, you know, uh, an actor because I was going to classes and then uh, cut to about four years later. Or so I booked my first, I was watching the Mighty Ducks movies in theaters, wanted to, I was like, that's a dream job. And two weeks later, I was auditioning for Ducks 2. 
And uh, and that sort of kicked me off this long journey. And I'm now 87,000 years old with my <laughs> and uh, it's been a fun it's been a fun ride and we're still going. So, yeah, it's my first acting job was uh, when a Pop-Tarts commercial when I was um, <laughs> uh, my first Pop-Tarts commercial, I was 14. Yeah, that was the first job. First off, I just want to, I want to give you a cheers and I want to praise you. I've known oh. you forever. I, was I mean, talking, how long, what, how old were we when we met? Were we 11 or 12? I was going to say uh, probably 11 years probably old. Probably 11. With our friend Tracy who lived yep. across the street from me and who was one of your besties. One of my besties. And, Still one of my uh, besties. And I was talking to you today with my good friend, Steve Combs. Yeah. Who uh, I'm sure would say hi, but uh, we were all, um, hi, yeah, it's Steve. <laughs> but we were all just talking about old times and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be on her show. She's amazing. I sent him your TED talk, which. Look, I just want to say, first off, that is that was such a great TED Talk. Thank you, Scott. And just everything that I didn't know all this because we lost contact there for a little while. Well, you and were I filming didn't... City Guys while I was yeah. like playing water polo and Dealing then occasionally with... catching City Guys when I woke up <laughs> yeah. early enough on the that weekend. Was all, that was always the, hey, City hey, Scott, I was hungover. Yep. Whose face comes on the TV? Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh. My college experience. Cheers to you, all your successes. You deserve the best. And you're amazing. You've always been amazing to me. And and you're just awesome. Same, and same. I you've always that. you've always been amazing. We've always had so much fun. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we've always just had a really good time. And we I think you were the person I probably cheers. Yes, drink, mm -hmm. drink, drink. <laughs> I think you were probably the person I spent the most time with at our last reunion, too. Because we had such a great chat um yeah. about all of the things. And then we got crashed by like the class of 95 and people from Dundell <laughs> and all the things. We did, didn't we? And I kind of crashed that party. I didn't pay for that. <laughs> I just sort of walked in and one of the parents was had their back turned and I just went <laughs> right in. Like I totally belong here. It was yeah. dad. Don't even worry about it. As an actor, you figure out ways to just sneak into anything. Sneak you know? into parties. Like like, camera. Yeah. <laughs> totally parties or anything. Yeah. So we're like, hey so. Scott. <laughs> This is so, I'm so looking forward to this. All these discussions and and whatever anyone has. But yes, to answer your question, I don't mind. I am 24 years old now. Yes, no, I'm a uh, 43, and we're, uh, we're wise. We're wise in our years. We are wise and awesome in our years. And uh, did you ever 14 think years old? I started. I think I joined SAG at 14. So at I 14. So you joined SAG with Pop Tarts or with Slim Jims or with Mighty Ducks? Yeah, Pop Tarts. So, but Pop Tarts was the very first job that I booked. It was a so it was a it was a commercial that took sh two days to shoot. Which a commercial usually run and gun. You knock it out in one day and you're done. But this was the director of Tron, yeah, original Tron. You know, and we were on this huge sound stage for two days with a huge green screen. It was this giant flying toaster that came down to earth. And, yep. you know, in the spot, I have it up on my YouTube. Page you shared somewhere. it on. Did you share it on your YouTube channel? On my Instagram and YouTube. My agent, as a lot of agents did back in that day, they they would lie and say, oh, of course he's SAG. What it comes down to is a little bit of extra paperwork the production needs to fill out to get someone Taft Heart lead, which basically right. means like you're eligible to be in SAG. But because I was the lead in the commercial, there's all the there were. I don't know all the rules now, but it used to be if your face is on camera for more than eight seconds, you're yep. considered a lead and all these rules so i was the lead in the commercial and um 
with a giant toaster that heated up my Pop-Tart and flew back into space. <laughs> you know, as a beginning actor who had no experience being on set or anything, to now be on a huge green screen, like now it's every project's on a giant yeah. green screen. You know, you see it in Star Wars behind the scenes stuff and everything. Right, but it wasn't back in the day. It wasn't back then. And it was all shot on film, so they had to keep changing reels. And it was like, point to the, there's a sticker on the wall, that's a giant flying toaster. And you're kind of scared, but you're also into it. And, you know... And as a kid, 14 years old, I was just lucky that I had a great imagination from playing with toys my whole life and right. doing all these voices of the characters, and which got me made fun of saying, oh, you're such a toy boy and everything. You know, but I would just, <laughs> I was playing with toys till I was like 13 or 14. Little did I realize I was training right. myself. And now to you get to be video game player. characters and live <laughs> your best life. And now I voice the Transformer characters that I played with when I was a kid. It's amazing. And, and everyone you went to high school with, as our kids were growing up and were starting to watch things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was like, wait a second. What? <laughs> That's how I like Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. It really is. I'm so lucky that, you know, I've now been able to voice like Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've been able to voice Starscream. And, you know, the hardest stuff is, you know, in the original cartoon, like Cobra Commander, these characters, yep. this one actor, he had this voice that was very much, you know, like a really aggressive. And I dreamed forever. I was like, if I could ever, his name was Chris Lotta. And yeah. I said, if I ever could book a Chris Latta like voice match on it. So here I am years later, I'm now cast as the voice of Starscream for a tra huge Transformers project. And right. they need the original voice to sound like, and that's one of my aspects of my business, to sound like these celebrities. So I booked the job. About 10 minutes into the job, my voice is now going hoarse. And my mind is just going, I don't ever want this voice match again. I don't want to ever do a Chris Latta voice match. <laughs> don't hire me back. This hurts. Yeah. And it was four more sessions of four hours and screaming and losing my voice, having to go to the ENT, getting a shot of, um, you know, steroids, to get my voice back up so I could finish the last session. Wow. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not one of these actors that says it's the hardest thing ever. But and it's it's not in that. But there respect. are things that are challenging. Yeah, there's Just a lot like of creative profession. Yeah, there's a lot. And then when you're yelling in video games, you know, you're yelling grenade and scream and, you know, screaming in these Call of Duty games. And then tomorrow you have to do a commercial for ZipRecruiter and you need your full voice back. And right. that can that's where the panic kind of can set in and get a little worrisome. Yeah. Did <laughs> you share with the law nerds why you decided to become an actor? Um, no, I, I did not. But um, the, the original story, um, you know, I was I was drawing. I originally went back to getting into horror films when I was like six or seven years old. I loved I was scared, equally scared by Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Friday the 13th as I was with amazed at like the effects and how they'd rip someone's head off and stuff. So at like nine years old, I got a subscription to this Fangoria horror magazine. And they Your would have parents these, are so cool. Oh, uh, my parents. They, and you know them. They're they're the yeah. best. They always support. I talked to my mom last night about this. I was like, they, she was saying, you know, you've had so much, you've had great success and stuff. And I said, it's all, a, it's because of you guys. You guys always allowed me. You never questioned me when we would go to the local store and I'd want to wear a cape or a Batman costume at the local store at 10 yeah. years old. You know, they were always so supportive. So they got me this horror film magazine subscription. And um, I think because it helped break down, I got to understand how horror films are made. So it wasn't as scary. And then I got into special effects. And then I went to this weekend of horrors convention over by LAX airport. And I met one of the writers of one of the Friday the 13th films who told me about this acting class out in Van Nuys, young actor space. Everything in Van Nuys. 
Everything's a damn <laughs> And back then, you know, there was only like one or two real acting classes that everyone yeah. went to. I mean, Toby Maguire was in one of my classes. Uh, this kid, Edward, uh, <laughs> Edward Snowden. No, one. <laughs> <laughs> a whole Edward. different conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there, I mean, there was a lot of, I think Leonardo DiCaprio went. It was like if you were just a kid actor in LA, at one point you went to yeah. young actor space. It was that. That's, because that this was is something, I mean, where we grew up, that we had people taking time off of school to do jobs all the time. And somebody would come back and I'd be like, where were you? And they were like, oh, LA Law for three days. And it's like, oh, of course. Of course you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. It's just, yeah, it's just what you do, I guess. What I don't you know. <laughs> and my poor parents had to like drive me out there every week and just yep. sit in the car for three hours. You know, it was like an hour and a half there, three yep. hours of a class or three and a half, and then an hour back. I mean, it was a huge chunk. Of, it was a huge commitment. So I know why they were hesitant, but I knew what I wanted to do. And it was because of those horror films I found out about the class. But I had always, since Indiana Jones, when I was four years old, I was running around. You know, you probably know the story of me breaking my wrist, swinging from the tree at the top of the hill, thinking I was Indiana and Jones. And I know the tree. <laughs> Every time I see that tree, trust me, I'm like, you... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you use the we're, curses. Like, we're, we're, we've known each other that long that it's yeah. like, no, I've been to your parents' house. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure if your folks are watching, my folks are watching, they're that watching. they're like, this is weird watching our adult children <laughs> just giggle about, about work. About tell me about it i mean we're not kids we are kids still but we're not kids anymore i guess you know young and hard too gray too gray to yeah. to still be a kid but wise enough to get to have fun chats like this i love it this but yeah great. i mean you've loved film and it's so interesting yeah. now watching kids growing up because the people my kids are emulating are youtubers yeah. for better or for worse it's not it's acting anymore it's social media influence is really what kids are looking up to. It's like, oh my God, Technoblade's so much better than Dream. I'm like, what is this conversation you're having right now? I have no idea. And and my, the, my kids aren't repeating movie lines and commercial lines. They're repeating taglines from their favorite YouTubers. And it's, it's a different world, which actually segues into our topic. Yeah. of blending the two worlds of traditional acting and social media influence. And being yeah. a lawyer, I tend to take a more cynical view of things often. And I don't know if this is SAG trying to actually bring collective bargaining. And I should just share SAG-AFTRA is the actor's union. Um, they do collective bargaining, workplace standards, health care, and things like that. Is SAG also provides like working regulations and limits and like day rates, how much you yeah. get paid to do certain things. Yeah. Um, any more that you can fill in about what SAG does other than the SAG yeah. awards that people might be familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, SAG has always sort of just been, they've sort of had our back and, and a lot, what you said, they just kind of set the rules that we need that producers, both sides need to follow. You know, um, there's rules for actors to not overstep their boundaries, just like there's rules for producers not to overstep their boundaries and take advantage of actors. Yeah. But and, yeah, but, mainly you know the things as an actor when you get on set you know health and safety what you said um you know uh i have a story of a val kilmer movie i worked on first first shot out the gate of the film they put us on horses cold horses which means like we hadn't warmed up to them we didn't get to know the horses and they said hey full gallop let's just go across this countryside oh God. huge huge rocks and boulders they didn't tie down my horse my uh stirrup my saddle tight enough so we're going, and I just start slowly going off this way, full, full gallop. That's terrifying. And I, and I took a roll off that. Yes, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. And I took a roll, and I landed and tumbled 
Luckily, I missed these huge boulders that are everywhere in the ground, and I didn't hit any of them. Walked back, completely shook up. I just remember kind of going and going, there goes my life. (laughs) And And I got up, and I was just shaking. (laughs) And this is how, this is the end of me. And so walked back to my trailer as I just heard everyone going, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just immediately got on the phone and called the SAG, you know, uh, safety line saying, hey, just did a shot, and I've fallen off the horse, you know. And I really just did that just to collect myself and like, oh, this is, you know, but next day there were SAG people on set. Um, it turned out it was partially, you know, it, it was no one's real. The horse can take this breath and let this air out. And I guess yeah. they tightened it. The horse released his yeah. breath and it became loose and no one knew. So, it, you know, and at the end of the day, I was back on set 10 minutes later shooting the same shot again. So and we didn't have any problems. Beyond. Things just happen. There's a lot of great things about SAG. Um, and, and some people have problems with SAG and things like that, but you know, everyone at the end of the day, we're all trying our best. And I like to believe that SAG has our best, but as the world changes and as influencers, for instance, come along, people need to adapt. And sometimes SAG, and I know people at SAG that are like, yeah, we're trying to get people to change their ways. So there are adjustments that need to get made. And I think this whole thing about the influencers thing is very interesting because it is the new way. I mean, it is. And yeah. I wonder if SAG, like part of me wonders, okay, yes, there's a need. There's a need for influencers to have some kind of standards. There yeah. are no standards and rates for commercial. There's mm-hmm. no standards and nobody knows because what you used to have in Hollywood is if you were going to book something, you would generally book through your agent. Yep. Your agent would know what going rates are for somebody within yeah. kind of whatever class you fall in of of actor, whatever work you're doing. Mm-hmm. So your agent would kind of have this overall idea of where things fall, what fair rates are. But now you have influencers negotiating directly with brands. So there's no knowledge of what's a fair rate for a brand, what's a going rate. And the same on YouTube, how much are different channels making for the same amount of views for um, advertisements, essentially, that they're placing. So I think SAG might bring some more knowledge to influencers of these are kind of our going rates. But also, SAG is looking at maybe this is where the money's being made. And if we're now going to look at like a Jennifer Aniston getting a commercial for water or going to a Charlie D'Amelio for that same water, who's a, you know, TikToker with what, a hundred million followers, you've got a D'Amelio that might be able to now undercut like an Aniston rate because it's a different audience and there's no, there's nothing involved. So I wonder if SAG is trying to stabilize rates across when it comes to working with big companies or if it's, hey, let's help and make sure influencers are protected because influencers often don't have businesses set up. They aren't set up to work professionally. They're making a lot of money, but it can happen very fast. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's all really good points, Emily. I think that, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think SAG, you know, I think to say that SAG isn't also trying to dip into that cup and, and get their money or secure, you know, um, right. of course, and and that's fine. But with that comes the support that SAG has or to create a standard, um, a standard of how it should be, um, you know, to help to help more of the underdog influencers, because, yeah, yeah. I'm sure a Kim Kardashian rightfully so should and would get more money than someone who has 2 million, you know, like more of a startup kind of influence. So the question becomes, how do you really regulate that? Because SAG has a tendency to say, Hey, this is the rules. Here's scale. Here's what we do. This is the price. These are the hours. That's that, you know, but then you have people that are beyond that now, which is another interesting subject, how 
I think I mentioned this, how, you know, like a, 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 um, Sylvester Stallone is now on YouTube and has 47,000 followers. Whereas right. you have double that, you know, in theory, <laughs> you're I'm more popular. Channel. <laughs> yeah. And I seem to tend to click on your videos more than Sylvester Stallone. You know, it's just, an, it's an amazing shift that's happened over the years. And I, and I find it so fascinating. I talk about it all the time because pre-internet, pre-social media, you couldn't touch those Arnold Schwarzeneggers and stuff. And no. they're getting 10 million a movie and they're like untouchable. They're gods. Yeah. And now the gods can't even get a like on their Instagram page because right. they go live on on Instagram and it's crickets because it's not this. The world has changed and people don't always want accessibility. We were talking about this with actors. It's being, I think, a personality and being an actor are two very different yes. skills. Um, I don't think I could lose myself in a role the way somebody like Reese Witherspoon would. And she's a terrible example because she's also a really fun personality to listen talk. Who can yeah, I pick on instead? Right. Kristen Stewart. Okay. Kristen Stewart doesn't strike me as someone I maybe would sit down and have a conversation and a meal with, sure. but she does lose herself in her characters and sure. you can kind of lose the actress and see the character. Yeah. I don't think I could, that's not a skill that I have. So yeah. now there's these, this different skill set, but I feel like traditional actors are almost getting pushed into this influencer sphere to try to keep up um, sure. with it. Yeah, especially with the last year and everything that's happened, you know, where there is no work. You know, SAG SAG does have this wound in their side right now because a year of no TV, yeah. no making movies, TV, of course that's going to hit their bottom line. That's going to hit our bottom line. We've seen shifts in their health, you know, their pensions. And, you know, you normally have to make this much money to uh, to be able to get one of two tiers of health. And last year, SAG said, nope, we're changing this almost overnight. It's now just you have to make this much. We only have one plan. There's no longer two plans. Yeah. So you have to make more money to get to the one plan. Uh, but but these are these are just effects of what's going on with the world. And there's no money coming in if there's no actors that are working to pay right. for the funds. So lucky for us as voice actors, we've been kind of holding the fort down and saving the union in a way. Saving Universe. It, it kind of is us voice yeah. actors will save the universe um but yes it very much is it is that sort of um we you know we are the only kind of working people and news reporters and things you know and, and, and housewives, housewives have all found ways to film <laughs> reality <laughs> tv has found reality ways to film. TV. i don't know for union though I, but, I don't know what is and isn't anymore, but I remember when we were doing City Guys and the first reality TV shows, you know, I think it started with like the real world, you know, yep. and, and but then TV network TV started taking these shows on. And I remember sitting there with the City Guys cast and we were all just kind of chuckling like, <laughs> enjoy that fad for three months. And then it's hard to be an actor. Y'all <laughs> yeah. living in a fucking house. Sure. <laughs> And then, and then all the primetime shows started getting canceled or replaced by reality shows. And now the joke was on us. You know, by the and time was, Jersey Shore came around, y'all were like, "We get it, we get it, you guys, we get it." By the time Jersey Shore came around, I was dyeing my hair, doing ab crunches, working on my Jersey X. I'm like, "Hey, forget about my booties. We'll get juicy. Get me on a show like this." But yeah, but yeah, I said, yeah. So I, getting back to on point, I sort of branch off easy. But I think that you SAG got you and me both. Yeah, yeah. Cut from the same. Yeah. Some in the water in the South Bay growing up, I feel. But uh, <laughs> I think that their heart is in a good place and they're trying to take entertain. You know, they're trying to take entertainment and look out for all of us. And that's and entertainment's shifting. And entertainment is shifting. What is entertainment? You know, I mean, like, yes, everyone's watching an Instagram view will get more watches than any Marvel film ever. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yep. 
how does it this how do you solve these problems? I think right Baby now? Shark on YouTube probably has more views than most movies ever does because it has what a billion views or something. <laughs> can I bring can I just quickly bring up the fact that not that when we went to the big movie absolutely you can bring up the fact that that we we went on a date we went on a date at i think 13 years old or whatever it was i didn't even know what a date was it was a date okay a boy and a girl go out out. my mom drove us we both sat in the back seat we watched we went to the theater in hermosa didn't we yes exactly the same theater amc there where i saw the mighty ducks 2 where then i was like ah this is i I saw mighty ducks at that theater as well did you go up the elevator? <laughs> you remember the elevator to get up? It was so exciting. It was like, we're going to the movie. How long has it been since you've been to a movie? Oh, forget it. I, I don't even it. know the last one I went to. I, mean, I know. I don't either. I didn't realize it was going to be so significant. Yeah. It's it's strange. You know, it's really, um, it's weird to not have these outlets right now, <laughs> to be I mean, honest. Anyway, we went to see yeah. Far and Away. We went to see Far and Away with Tom Cruise and, and Nicole Kidman and there Nicole for his Kidman. big film. I just remember the movie wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. <laughs> and then we did. My mom picked us up, went home. That was the, that was a thirteen-year-old date. Yeah, probably <laughs> hung out the next day with Tracy and just kind of sat around, and just laughed and goofed on pine trees or whatever we were. Doing. Yeah. And then yeah. you, what year did you come back to Costa? Because you were at private school. Yeah. Um, before you transferred back mm-hmm. to our high school. Yeah, so I went. Uh, I went to a Jesuit all boys, you know, the Catholic school, and I hated it. To be honest, I just yeah, you're not quite the dudes that go to Loyola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't fit in anywhere. A little usually. more creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but uh, I think it was mainly all my good friends and everything, and you included, Tracy included. You know, everyone I kind of hung out with my circle all went to uh, Costa, and um, and then like my other. You know, the other kids went to Loyola, the ones that were determined to do something with their life. (laughs) I I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah. Hey, that's, you know, hey, it was a great education. What I learned in that first year, let's say in Spanish class, carried me through the next three years of Maricosta. All you need. You know, yeah, totally. (laughs) Donde esta la biblioteca, Maria? Mm -hmm. That's about it. Uh, But but it sounds great. And I use it in sessions, believe me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I booked the Mighty Ducks too. I went and I worked that film. And actually what happened was Loyola wrote my family letters because I needed to miss three weeks or something. And they said, well, you need to choose between doing this Disney film or going to our prestigious Loyola school. And it was, I was already out the door, <laughs> you know, Hi. <laughs> I'm doing a film and I get to come back to my favorite friends in my favorite school. Goodbye. Yes, please. I mean, because you had booked, so you booked Pop Tarts, Pop Tarts, yeah. And then did you book Mighty Ducks after Pop Tarts? Pop Tarts, yes, yeah. That was my second, and it was very. I don't think there was a big gap between between shooting that and jumping into. I mean, I my hair grew out, so it must have been nine months within within a year. I would say I had booked the Mighty Ducks also from doing that commercial. So, but it was four years. It was it very much was, you know, I was lucky. I was lucky. I was so lucky. I had my acting teacher who became my manager, who helped me get an agent, who helped me get my jobs. I was sort of like walked in holding hands with someone who knew everything, you know. So when people ask me, how do you get into acting? How do you get an agent? I don't really know, because, again, I was in this position where someone said, hey, I like you. Just come with me this way. And, you know, and you're like, okay. Oh, I yeah, I was like, cool. I just want to have fun. I didn't think about money. I didn't think about, I just wanted to have fun. I mean, you know, to me, I was like, hey, cool. Can I play a space alien? No. And now as a voice actor, I could play space aliens, monsters, you know, any type of anything I could think of, I, I get to voice. So, um, 
but yeah, the, yeah, Mighty Ducks was second. Um, jumped off of that, and I think I immediately booked the uh, Slim Jim's commercial. The with, Slim Jim commercial. Yeah, I yeah, remember like, talk us talking when you were on set of Mighty Ducks on the phone at least once or twice, um, yeah. and getting to chat about totally about that and about what it was like. Did you ever expect that Mighty Ducks would pop off? Is it what you're recognized most for, Mighty Ducks, or is it City Guys? Yeah, uh, you know, I would say Mighty Ducks for the most, you know, just because throughout the longest time, people, st people still recognize me looking as old as I do now, but people still say, oh, Gunner from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> okay, why? Thank you, thank you. But there's a whole, it's funny, there's a whole new lately, especially on Instagram now, and, and getting to connect with so many people, and I try to write everyone back that I can. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of time and the day but there's a whole new slew of like young younger people and i know there's a group of them watching right now because they were writing me saying hey we're gonna chin, we're gonna hey. tune in. so uh quack, quack. Stuff, my kids have been able to get into the franchises that i enjoyed as a kid so my kids get dragged along with everything i loved growing up and they love the mighty ducks movies hold up my kids yeah. love those movies because they're just they're a good message. They're good movies. They're a great underdog story. Yeah. You get the you get the slow clap moment. Totally, you get the, all of it. So it's all the emotions wrapped. It you know, people pass away. There's the sadness. You yep. get the, the hockey puck at the end. Like, oh, what happened? You know, the bad yep. guys turn out to be the nice guys, which can happen sometimes too. I'm sure Darth Vader was a nice guy. He just, you know, he just had well, he was bad. A with Anakin. Yeah, he was a good guy. He just, hey, come on, his he got ki his wife got killed. He just loved her and wanted her back, and that's what happens sometimes. You go to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, or or men are over possessive, resulting in women dying. I mean, one of the two. <laughs> I mean, one of the two. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely <laughs> not trying to defend anyone. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I'm totally teasing you. Um, oh, but, but did but you imagine true. that in your 40s, when you when you got Mighty Ducks, I'm sure just knowing you at that age that it was like, wait, I get to act and skate. Sweet. I don't, whatever Let I get to do both. You. Awesome. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine that it would still be something that you're talking about in your career in your forties? Not at all. Not at all. But to the other side of that, I am so more than happy to discuss any of it because it was, it was the springboard that, that has still carried me. I book voice jobs. I walk in the studio and they go, Hey, just wanted to meet Gunnar Stahl. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So, and I just wanted a paycheck, you know, or whatever, you know, Thank you. but, it, but it, you know, it all works both ways. It's the ebb and flow of the business. But, but yes, I mean, like I, I never thought that I never thought all these years later, cause I was so consumed in just being young and having fun at that time. And I was the only kid that had played hockey for four years before, you know, I had played hockey before the movies came came right. about you know all the other actors went through the six weeks of training camp as i did but in that six weeks they were as good as i was after four years of playing in a league and stuff somehow so you know credit to and kudos to them but um but yeah i was just having a good time and i again i wasn't thinking about the money i wasn't thinking about a career i wasn't thinking about networking or all the things i know now and i utilize now to maintain and build my career even more I had all these great people that I just kind of went, hey, nice to meet you. Cool. Oh, Tron, I saw that movie. Have a good one. You know, <laughs> never stay in touch with anyone. Never, you know. And there wasn't, it's not, what are you going to do? Facebook people? Are you going to write? I, I mean, you, there was, there nothing. was nothing. What are you going to do? Yeah. Write them and put a stamp on it? I mean, like, hey, can I have your home address? I don't know how you stay in touch other than running into yeah. people on jobs it, down the it road. It was either sending letters to friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I used to, every audition I used to go on, I would draw, I would write a thank you letter to the casting lady. My mom, no, for four years, it was like 780 auditions before I booked my first job. So that's that a lot. That's such a, can you just 
say that again for everyone who's going to watch yeah. and be like, how did you book this? Yeah. How many auditions? 780 something auditions. I think it was, it could have been, yeah. So the numbers get so, I think, wait, I think it was 780 when I started voice acting and I got my first job. I think yeah. on camera was 480 or something right. like that. Um, before I booked my first job in four years, almost of going to auditions, my mom driving me, you know, paying for the gas, you know, paying for the pager to get the page to pull over, to put the coins in the machine and you know, and so, the traffic and the time and the, yeah. I, I think it translates too into the, the online creative space for YouTubers, TikTokers. Sometimes it's your 300th video is the one that takes yeah. off. I've yeah. been on YouTube of five years at this point and, yeah. and it's been the last three months that my channel has just and it's sometimes amazing. it's just you just if you enjoy doing it yes. and you keep doing it yeah. you get to keep doing it Definitely. but you have to enjoy doing it you can't yeah. push it and There's, was it was it a, was there was there times and let me ask you now was there times as you went that you were kind of like what am i doing is this worth it or like all, all the time um I am, but my YouTube channel has morphed. I started it while I was still a district attorney while I was having um, health issues and back surgeries and yeah. stuff like that. So I started it as a way to connect and, and have community, yeah. but I was doing tech and unboxings and some lifestyle stuff. So as I shifted out of the DA's office into the entrepreneurial space, yeah. my channel shifted a bit too, but it was like, how do I make this channel work with what I'm doing? And then when I started my podcast, it was like, oh, I really love breaking down this topical stuff. Right. And then uh, my friend Warren, who's in the chat, was just like, no, we need to do this on YouTube too. And I was like, okay, why not? Why not? Everything else we do, it'll get a couple hundred views. It'll be fine. And then it just took off. And, yeah. and it, it's been great. I mean, now we have thousands of law nerds and it's a blast. And I just love getting to be here and do get to do yeah. this and now get to do this full time with a bit of consulting work that I get to choose. It's not, I'm not doing like lawyerly lawyer work, but I still get to be a lawyer and read contracts and break shit down. And I get to awesome. curse all the time and drink with friends on the YouTubes. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> there are a few fantastic comments I'm going to pull up and then we will talk a little bit more about yeah. swag. It's a wandering conversation. You guys, yeah, <laughs> um, Gunner should have joined the mighty ducks for the third one. I was in the third one. If you didn't know, you were a different character. It was so confusing. I was the original Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and I only say that because this was pre any of those where you yeah. play more characters in one. I have to give all my credit to Jordan Kerner, Steve Brill, who created the Mighty Ducks, Jordan Kerner, who produced it. They created such a nice family in between the shooting of the Ducks every month or every other month. The cast and everyone would get together and we would go and meet somewhere and just have lunch and hang out. And so one day I just happened to in the mail, a script showed up for Mighty Ducks 3 and said, welcome to Ducks 3. And I didn't know it was coming. I hadn't, you know, and I looked through the script and there's a character named Scooter, Scott, who they wrote for me. But I'm so egotistical. I was reading it and I'm going, what character am I going to play? That guy has more lines. Maybe it's going to be that character. <laughs> and I literally like called, you know, or, or I called her letter. I think I called and I was like, what character? This is great. What character? And they're like, Scott, we wrote it for you. And I'm like, Oh, okay, great. Yeah, awesome. Totally. And again, just kind of like, yeah, great. It just kind of fell in my lap, you know. Um, but yeah, and and whole different character. I played an American this time instead of the and the fun fact in Ducks 3, I almost played two characters, two different characters. In Ducks 3, they had so in the script, they had we were doing these table reads. So before you shoot the film, we all flew back to Minnesota. 
we sat around in a hotel and they had cameras set up and microphones and and we just read the script out loud it's so the writers can hear it so the director can help imagine what he wants you can hear it you hear it on its feet with the actors yeah. so they hadn't cast this regular this character called um stoner dave or something like that <laughs> and he was this guy who's always everything was like this man you know and or that's the choice i made so they get they just assigned double you know hey you're yeah. skater number he two you're bad guy four hey scott you're stoner dave you know or whatever and so um so i just read the role man you know and then i did my scooter character too or scott and everyone was laughing at those lines. And, and at the end of that, um, the producer, Jordan, came up to me and said, hey, I think I want you to play the Dave character also. And the director immediately was like, he's been another character. We can't have him do two different characters. You can't have him do every. He's, he's Gunner. We can't he's have Gunner. him do everything. He's already, we're already breaking the Hollywood rule here. But this is how far it went. They had this operate. We had this top secret operation you know, whatever, like operate Eagle claw or something. And so, which is basically let's get Scott cast as two roles. So I went into the trailer one day, I went into this makeup and hair trailer. They put me in a wig. They put these like zits on my face. They gave me some fate. They glued on some facial hair. They put me in like this little belly suit and they said, Hey, we're going to film you read the lines and cast, make up a fake name. Like you're auditioning. And they filmed me on cassette tape. They and we did. We, they sent it. The producer sent it to the director and said, "Hey, we found the kid. He's in Michigan or somewhere, you know." <laughs> and they played the tape, and he's like, "It's great. It's not Scott. Or, I mean, we know it's Scott. Yeah. He's not going to play the role, and that's that." So they had they hired another. They had another actor. Um, there's footage, but it's in the you know it's in the trash cans. Never made it. But there's this other character that unfortunately got cut. But it was a fun, cute little quirky, you know, he had like the frilled cowboy jackets and hey, man, everything was like that, man, you know, and uh, yeah, so that's a long story too long, but that's no, it's not a long story too long. We're long form <laughs> content here. You know, it's got to be weird filming it and then waiting so long. Like with YouTube, I go live. Yeah. I see the chat as it's happening. You get live responses to what you're doing. If yeah. I upload a video within about three minutes the comments start coming in. There's an instantaneous reaction, whether people like it or hate it or immediate. my face annoys them, I've, whatever. There's an immediate reaction. It's got to be weird creating something and not seeing a reaction to it for sometimes yeah. years. Definitely, yeah. Oh, for years for the final thing. But yeah, they would have these things on set called dailies, which was usually it took about a week. It was the week before's filming. And um, because it's shot on film back in the day, 35 millimeter, you know, big cans of film. And then they send it off to Hollywood. We were shooting in Minnesota or wherever. They would send it to Hollywood to get processed, send it back. And then we would have, they would set up a tent to watch dailies. It was like, where's dailies today? Oh, over by the craft service. Oh, craft service meaning where all the food gets laid out. Um, so we would go in these tents and they would just be playing the, you know, the footage from the week before to see how those shots are look. And they were all so rough, you know, the cameras. Yep shaking and then and then you see the clipboard come up and take work you know yeah. and then the camera resets and then you know it's and then you watch little snippets and you go how does this become a movie and yeah a year and a half later then you go to a red carpet premiere and it's like wow that's amazing Every, everything that goes in like your show meeting your tech people and everything it's it's not just hey, let's just make it up as we go. You know, there is a lot of prep and thought, and sometimes the mics don't work, Emily. <laughs> sometimes everything just doesn't work. Speaking of mics, we got a question about which shotgun mic you are using, 
And why are you using it? Probably because Scott's a professionally professional voice actor. But what <laughs> is this the right end or what end is the mic? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So this is a Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic because I am a gear nerd. This is usually one of the standard mics that you find in every studio. Um, this or like what they call like a Neumann TLM 103 or a Neumann U87 for all you nerds out there. I would say the U87 and the TLM 103 are better for animation. They kind of pick up more, um, they pick up more space in the room. These shotgun mics, kind of what you pointed at, it picks up. So if yeah. I go over here, you can hear I get off axis real quick. Right. Um, but, but these are kind of great for promos and trailers, radio, TV. And then I work on a lot of, I do a lot of looping and ADR stuff, which looping and ADR is basically adding background voices to movies and TV. If you see it in a TV show or movie, if it takes place in a coffee shop and there's two actors talking, on set, they're the two leads who are being miked and they'll be talking. And everyone else in the background, all the extras or atmosphere or background, whatever name you call it, uh, whatever the most PC name is, I always forget. <laughs> it's like it, one works and then they go, no, nah, background's too, uh, you know, you have to, they're now atmosphere, right. you know, atmosphere is too rude. They're now leads, but quiet leads, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but they're in the background just, you know, yeah, they're just right but they're not really talking so then a looper which is a big part of my work now is i go in and we add those voices so you know i've been able to work on a lot of really fun projects that i my brain just kind of goes when i right. try to think of them but a You're lot like, you know, oh, night, night at the museums and uh a lot of, like supergirl and um a lot of those superhero shows legends of tomorrow um yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of different things. It's been, it's fun, you know. It's so weird. I used to know everything I work on, and now that I work, I've been lucky that I get to work on a lot of stuff, and I can't remember anything. <laughs> Which is kind of fantastic. You're like, we've worked on a lot. I'm like, right, you do the real Hollywood things, we do the YouTube things. But yeah, and nowadays, that's the uh, less important, you know, YouTube is <laughs> more powerful. So, hey, thanks for letting me ride your coattails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only one of the people on this stream is uh verified on instagram i'm just gonna say that okay <laughs> that's one more than none so i mean <laughs> are you talking about me yes oh you. <laughs> i was like well great i wish i could be part of that Wait. you're blue check marked it's you're no different on the other side trust me emily you i don't, don't give know a shit. you're like i'm an actor i don't care for influencers that's currency for actors it's yeah. like Course. I'm yeah, I uh, that I I had a very good friend who uh who you. well no I'm how I got the blue tick yo because you know what I comment I'll comment on I'll comment on World Star sometimes and I just get a slew of like who the hell are you like why do you have a blue tick what have you done in your life it's like okay I'm saw, motherfucker yeah you lost it for yourself <laughs> bit you know I'm like you know but you uh for yourself bitch and my famous I, line <laughs> that's that should be my shirt i should get shirts and merch. i lost it for you lost it for yourself bitch it's but it was the best line of that movie i'm just it was. it's the best line of that movie oh, so God. even though you might not have gotten all of the lines you got i think one of the most memorable lines other than like ducks fly together and quack 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 like ducks fly together quack 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 and you lost it for yourself you lost it for yourself has kind of become a mantra of mine now as of recently because it's so true. I mean, you know, people that just, you know, you make the wrong decisions for yourself. You lost it for yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of a mantra to life sometimes as opposed to quack, quack, quack. I don't know how that fits into the, you know, you can't just go, well, hey, when life throws you lemons, quack, quack, quack. 
But or you could. Maybe people would just stop talking to you. They'd be like, we're done with that. We're walking the other way. All right, let's. I'm going to pull up some of these just so we can talk about it because I said I would. Not legal advice, you guys. We're not telling you if you are in the influencer sphere, the actor sphere, that you should or should not join SAG. It's something that you can do. This is the general overview of what SAG is talking about. The influencer agreement for the actor union SAG after it covers hazardous stunts, Mm-hmm. gratuitous nudity and sexual content are not permitted under the influence agreement. So hazardous stunts that takes the Paul brothers out of it. I was just gratuitous about nudity. I'm sorry, Trisha Paytas, sexual content. Everyone who has an only fans y'all out sag is, not, is no! not here for you. Hang on a second. We got to shut down my only fans <laughs> immediately. No, we just kill it. Sag says no. <laughs> this is just the influencer agreement. Oh, Keep it up. Hang on. Don't do that. (laughs) Okay, we're good. Um, Presently, only influencers who perform alone can sign the influencer agreement. So I've gotten a lot of question about things like family vloggers. And we'll talk about regulations on child actors um, in a moment because I got a lot of questions about that. But it seems that family channels and channels who are more than one person are not going to be able to be SAG influencers. The influencer must be incorporated. Y'all get your LLCs now. The influencer must produce their content themselves with no involvement by any third-party production entity. So I'm thinking this means no one in an MCN, but does this count if you hire an editor? Does this count if you have a production team, which a lot of big influencers do? So this might ax them out. The influencer must own their intellectual property. So all the TikTokers who don't own the music might have an issue with this because the influencer doesn't own their TikToks whole out because of the copyright of music, Mm. which is interesting. The influencer must have a direct contractual relationship with the brand. So people booking through things like multi-channel networks might not count here because you've got to have paid work and paid um, advertisements essentially to get qualified for SAG. Interesting. In order to protect other areas of the union's jurisdiction, there are limits to how the influencer content may be used. This is very interesting. Exhibition is allowed only on the influencers and advertisers' social media feeds, YouTube channels, and websites. No use of the content in whole or part is allowed in other areas of the union's jurisdiction. No TV, traditional commercial, or industrial use. So now it's putting the influencers, I think, kind of in a box where the influencers can't do, like David Dobrik, a YouTuber here, has done stuff with Chipotle on television. But if he was a SAG member it reads that he would have had to turn down Chipotle because it's a television and he would have been under this influencer agreement. So that's interesting to me. It is No use of content in whole or in part on TV. I said that influencer content creation cannot be combined with another covered service. So that means if influencers are creating things that get into the other areas of SAG, you're going to have a problem. If you're an influencer, you have to stay in your influencer box. You can't be in an actor box or a voice actor box um, or even a producer box or a writer box. Influencers will be bound by the same membership rules as their fellow members. The maximum period of use for an influencer content will be one year unless otherwise negotiated, which is interesting because most influencers, I still make money on YouTube videos that I did, um, you know, three years ago, four years ago. So I think a lot of influencers are going to look at this, the bigger influencers and say, I, I don't know if that's for me, that's too restrictive. Yeah. But for smaller influencers, it might give a way to really, get that commercial use, but a lot of smaller influencers don't have direct brand deals. So yeah. it's 
for me, it's an agreement, but it's also a, let's keep these things very distinct. And I don't know how that's going to go for the influencers because people like the D'Amelios who are TikTokers, the two girls, Charlie and Dixie, they got a reality show on Hulu, Netflix, I don't know. But if they were signed with SAG, my reading of this, if they were signed with SAG as TikTok influencers, they could not have taken that show. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, from from you reading that and, and double seeing that now, I, there's a lot of restrictions on that. And, and it is very, I would think if I was a popular influencer, because I am, mm-t. Notice I have the N apostrophe T. Very, um, very popular. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I would think that that would almost, yeah, that's almost very deterring because because they do, SAG does seem to kind of want want it to be controllable to, you know, like, yeah. hey, you just need to be at this level that there's money coming in and now you just sit here and, and follow. Not. Yeah. So which which could be a but could be a good thing for some of these people that are trying to find some stability or some grounding where they go, I don't know how to do it. Brands are coming to me. I don't right. know how to do this. So, you know, right. or where does the price start? So that's, and very- I think it would work. I see this really in the, um, like Instagram influencer space. There's a lot of Instagram influencers that are really happy just being Instagram influencers. That's what they want to do. They want to stay on Instagram. The TikTokers, a lot of the time, seem to me to want to branch from TikTok. But there are these Instagram influencers who also blog and also do a thing that might really well fit into this because they're like, I don't want to be on TV. The thing that's hard for me, if I were looking at this and looking at a creator that I liked, I'm like, but how much do you need it? Is it worth limiting yourself? And if you're taking yeah. the three thousand dollars a year plus one percent of your earnings, could you hire a PR agency? Could yeah. you hire a manager to help with right. reading contracts and getting right. contracts? Right. So it's interesting to me. I think there will be some who will be want to be a part of SAG for sure and yeah. should if they want to. Yeah. And I think for others, you're going to have to really read through it to understand yeah. the restrictions. Yeah. But that's true with any contract. For sure. Before you know the benefits. Know the restrictions. Yeah. Know the restrictions first. Yes. Because I know firsthand that could come up and bite you later. <laughs> when oh. you go, I, I think I should get paid for that. Oh, no, your contract said, yeah. oh, I didn't read that fine print. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So but, it's in that 10-point font. Yeah, exactly. When it goes to the smaller font, you read the smaller font first, and then you kind of work your way up to the bigger stuff. Um, but that it is interesting how um, they want someone who doesn't have, you mentioned the editing thing or your team or whatever. Um, that's really deterring. I would find because, because most of these people, you get to that level and it's just the natural step of getting, I need someone who's, I need an assistant. I need someone who can help me get through the days because so much is going, because being an influencer takes so much more work than just doing an audition and submitting it. And then you wait, you know, it's, you got to edit, you got to understand, you're creating, you're filming, you're doing your tech, you're You're writing, you're writing, you're writing, you're lighting, you're filming, you're editing, you're acting. You are your own together. producer. And it, so when they say uh, you can't be associated with producers or you can't have a, you know, and it, it's it's like, well, but I already am a producer. So are you saying I can't do it? Because I'm already technically a producer. I just haven't given myself that credit yet. So <laughs> I wonder if they'll define things. production entity yes. in this more and what they mean by production entity. Because if they mean yeah. an editor, then it's going to be a problem. If they mean a actual licensed SAG production entity, I think that would be a different thing. So 
We'll see some of the details on this. The entire agreement is just coming out. It's going to be linked below where this, the agreed upon influencer details are out. If you are an influencer and want to read them, you can read them for yourself and kind of start to see if this is something that you want or something that you just have questions about. I think it's fascinating. I don't know. Uh, reading these restrictions, I don't know if traditional actors will really give a shit about it because it really is keeping the influencers like over there and keeping yeah. the actors over here. Yeah. So the union's not commingling um, influencers with actors, yeah. it would seem. I want to yeah. see if the SAG Awards starts doing like influencer of influencer, the year. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it, I think, you know, you see it with years ago too, where like William Morris or big agencies would come along and they would start signing these vine stars or people like that for no reason other than to just get their fingers in them and claws in them before anything could happen. Cause the sooner you can get them, you know, the more you can control your, you know, <laughs> not bringing up any sort of Britney Spears controlling stuff, but, 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 you yes. know, when you get, once you got your claws in them, once you sign with SAG, the golden rule, you cannot do anything that's not SAG. So they then have that control, that blanket that they've now thrown on you. So you know, it becomes like, how do I be myself if I'm going to go about doing this? There's also a very interesting side that you probably don't know. There's some actors, union actors that are now trying to get SAG to be open to allowing non-union actors to just join SAG for like a window of time with, with and they can still be doing that. This is all just talk right now. There's no, yeah, but I think it has to do with building up the power of SAG again and, and getting yeah. more people involved and, and like what they're doing with the influencers. The thought is like, let's, let's bring us all together so that we have power together, which is right. what the concept of a union is. You know, Absolutely. if we all agree, we can all set the rules together. I think where SAG would become very attractive to influencers if they were not just negotiating commercially, but if they began negotiating with the platforms. Right now, they've said they're not negotiating with TikTok. They're not negotiating with Instagram or YouTube. But if SAG said, look, we will also help negotiate with YouTube. So if YouTube eradicates your channel with no notice, you would at least have the union going, excuse me, we would please like some answers. This is yeah, a union member. You've sure. removed their channel. Can you show us the community strikes or these things? Because yeah. this does happen on YouTube. You sure. could be, it, I was on a stream this morning with a creator who has had their channel for ages, has never had, you can see violations in the back end of your YouTube if there's issues, never had any issues, was midstream and YouTube, literally Thanos snapped their channel, gone. No explanation other than there was a community strike and this happens. People get demonetized. You're on YouTube, you have no notice, and then you can't monetize anything. And yeah. so you've got creators making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month yeah. that all of a sudden are like, oh, no more for you. And you're like, um, so I think if there was ever a way that SAG would negotiate with the platforms the way they negotiate with the studios, I think that would be a huge benefit. I think this is a first step, but I also think negotiating with the platforms would yeah. be a huge benefit to influencers and creators. And you know that you're just so brilliant and choose to you. Emily. The, no, the oh, points that you make completely, the points that you make, they'll completely make my mind like, go. Oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that because there are, I mean, everyone has, every big influencer seems to have a beef against YouTube, Instagram or whatever for putting in their claws and controlling their situation that they have created, monetizing, whatever it be. You know, it's like, everything's cool, guys. We're just YouTube. Hey, come join us. And now it's like, Oh, don't say that though, because you're gonna get cut. Oh, yep. don't say that now because you're gonna not get the money. You know, and and yeah, it's like you do need SAG or 
influencer union to come along and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. We have lawyers now to help our people, you know, to understand this. Because if I was just an influencer who is a brilliant mind at creating stuff, but has no business sense, (laughs) any musician, actor, you know, it's like just being an artist. And lots lots of creatives. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know the fine print, nor can you understand when they start saying as his, her entity known as hereforth the entity, you know, it's like, what do you, okay, so I, I'll agree. I'll just click agree. That's fine. To come to later, it bites you in the ass. And People these contracts know. to be on YouTube, you either agree to what they say or right. you can't be on YouTube. You can't negotiate it. Like, <laughs> right, if there's you're going into a job, you can say, look, that, that turnaround's unrealistic for me. I need this. You can negotiate yeah. your contracts and negotiate your working conditions. You cannot do that on these platforms. Oh, you wow. are on or you are off. And they say, well, you can go elsewhere. Where? Where? Where can yeah. I go? I'll go to YouTube too. <laughs> we'll go somewhere. So there's nowhere. It's very, very interesting. So yep. Margaret asked, does this cover audio podcasters? No, Margaret. These new influencer contracts cover Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So it covers people who are getting paid sponsorships. So just like doing commercial work, it covers commercial work. So if you're getting paid for commercial work, that's going to be how they're pinning whether you can apply and get into the union or not. Wow. So, yep. This is a question for Scott from Little Red Star. Has there been a shoot that wasn't what you expected, good or bad, other than falling off a horse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there there has. Uh, one of my most fun projects to be part of and one of the most probably chaotic projects to be part of was, <laughs> and I'm going to say it, I normally don't like, I'm not talking trash. I'm just <laughs> saying I normally don't, you know, as an actor, you don't normally go, YouTube. First thing to watch, what? We're just friends up here on YouTube. We're just friends. Oh, Don't tell story. anyone, okay? Share How many secret. people? <laughs> oh, it's it's secret. it's under two thousand. It's fine. It's fantastic. <laughs> I uh, I did a movie called The Ghosts of Goldfield, which um which is probably uh again one of the one of the most fun pro- projects I worked on. Basically, the storyline is a bunch of paranormal people go out to Goldfield, Nevada, which is was a, is a real it was a real gold mining town. A bunch of stuff went down. And there's a Goldfield Hotel, which is supposed to be historically and researchery is one of the seven portals in the world where spirits can come and go and cross sides and stuff. So I booked this film to go out there and shoot this paranormal movie, you know, where these young kids trying to be paranormal come across these go, they get into the whole hotel. And we got to go out to the real town. We got the keys to the real hotel. We got to walk around the real hotel. We filmed in one of the real hotels that was still dressed with the appropriate beds and furniture from the 1880s and everything amazing i became good friends with i did the film because i found out roddy piper was going to star in it the wrestler (laughs) who i grew up watching with my dad and all my brother watching all this wrestling and him and i hit it off became best friends until he passed away and um and it was one of the greatest friendships i've i've met great friends uh working but roddy was very 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 special to me uh, uh kellen lutz who's become a huge actor in his own right um twilight, twilight come on now <laughs> <laughs> let's not get started hello so <laughs> um, my favorite my favorite kellen lutz film yeah for real my favorite kellen lutz film yeah. is um stick it yeah <laughs> too much rock for one hand I fucking love yes. that movie. <laughs> Kellen's such a great guy. And this was his first film that he had ever done. He was a fan of City Gate. He came on set and couldn't believe that. It, I mean, it was like a whole hierarchy. of He had never acted. He was a fan of mine. I was on set with Roddy, fan of his. Yeah. You know, it was like everyone was just praising each other. We had such a great team. 
And then we got on set and like two days in, they ended up saying like, hey, who's pulling focus on this camera? And no one had been putting things in focus. They just set it up and hit film and, you know, and then we we actually ran out of time. We we couldn't finish the film because we were so far behind schedule. We They had to stop the film. We all went home our own ways and went, well, we did half a film. That's it. And and about two months later, they got more funding and they said, hey, can we finish up the film? Two weeks we need for you to come back out to Vegas. Roddy called me up going, hey, champ, are you uh, are you going to do this? And I'm like, I'm in if you're in, bro. Let's have some fun. You know, and so <laughs> hopped on a plane, met up with Roddy again, two more weeks of just acting and goofing off and drinking and storytelling. And and on the last night as we rapped, I rapped early and he had rapped. So we started drinking Jack uh, Jim Bean together. And then they brought me in. They said, hey, do you want to play this? We have an 1880s flashback. So I put on this fake mustache <laughs> and sat down at the bar and watching the girls dance for this whole shot. And and they gave me this big cigar. I mean, the thing was, I'd never seen a cigar that big, but and it was like a dollar ninety nine at the local shop, you know, oh, so dear. not quite. And I'm sitting there, drink, you know, I'd already been okay. drinking with Roddy and already drunk. And now I'm smoking this terrible cigar. And now I'm feeling sick. And I go back to the, we, we wrapped the film. That was the last shot. We go back and get in the car to go back to the hotel to have our wrap party in the hotel. And Roddy gets in next to me. He's like, how you doing, champ? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay. I'm not so good, actually. And he's like, oh, come on. He socks me right in the stomach. Oh, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I can yeah, I felt that. Oh, oh, and Roddy, you know, he would always go, I'm going light on you. One time he was like, you want to feel what it's like to get choked yeah. out? And I'm like, not really. He's like, come on, everyone needs to feel it once. I'll go light on you. Everyone needs to feel it once, he said. Yeah, he was such a great, he was like a dad to me, you know. He's like, I'm going to choke that. you up and choke you out real soft. You know, <laughs> three, are you ready? Three, two, barely did anything. I was like, okay, that we're good. <laughs> Didn't put any pressure on but he socks me in the stomach. I go back to the room and throw up the rest of the night. Don't get to attend the the rap party because I'm puking because Roddy got me drunk and then punched me in the stomach. And there, and there was the matter of the cheap cigar. Oh, the matter of the cheap because the cheap cigar set it off. That was the straw oh, yeah. broke camel's back. And then here they are knocking on my door. Hey, champ, you in there? You coming down to the party? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be real. I'll be right there, Roddy. I'm going to go back to vomiting. And that was the rap of my party. And that great film just the organization on the back end of the production side was a little bit behind we ran out of time as a lot of every production gets behind schedule but they were they cut it so close yeah and we came back had to finish the film the edits was were a little bit off still a fun film but i watch it it's great memories but man i was terrible in that film <laughs> unexpected got to be besties with Robert yeah Piper, sometimes you just take what you can out of, you know, some some projects, you know, the project and everything is great. Other projects, I did a film that will never see the light of day, but it's where I met my wife, my wife. So that was the great takeaway from that project. So there's always you stories. There's always stories from everything, good or bad. And the bad ones are usually just as fun or more memorable than the good ones in that respect. It's got to be so weird creating stuff that because with YouTubers, most of the time we create stuff, we edit it, we throw it like it goes up. It's got to be strange to create and then not have that control. I feel like the social media influencers are like, no, I control my light. I control my angles. I yeah. control what I say. I control my pacing. I control my editing. But to stand out, perform, and then let it be in somebody else's hands, and it might never see the light of day, would be odd. 
Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, but that's how it was. And now right. everything is just immediate, you know, immediate response, immediate reactions, immediate likes, immediate yeah, whatever. For better or for worse, right? For better or for worse. But I think, yeah, you know, I think it's better. I like adjusting with the times and stuff, you know, it's, it's, I might not fit in, you know, with what's going on and what's current now, but I'm fine with that. I, I'm a little bit into everything. And as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing and people are writing me or respond, all these Ducks fans or City Guys fans or all these other pe people that write me, it just makes me, man, come on. I'm, people still take the time to just say, hey, you changed my life. I love the Mighty Ducks. And man, that's like the best feeling in the world. There's Something not in it. Didn't know. Yeah. So like come it. on, you with all the people that write you, all the responses, all the views, all the information. I mean, I look back at your videos now and I find I go to you to find out how how I understand these concepts or what is what is going on in that case. There's right. you know, it's like this is too crazy. Could someone just speak English? And, and then and we have Emily. I love that. The views, it's the views, they are what they are because that's how YouTube monetizes stuff, yeah. but the stories and getting to create a community and connect with the community has been the most special part. The, the DMS, the comments on particularly the Ted talk, the comments on the Ted talk, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, thank you for getting yeah. me locked down. This has been really hard. This community has created a, a positive place for me to be on the internet. The people I've met through the chat, cause the chat, yes, they're here to ask questions, but they're also here to communicate with each other. Yeah. And it kind of feels like an old school AOL chat room in here before the videos even start where everybody gets to connect. That's the best part. I mean, yeah. that, that connection is really the best part. And on that, we have some other questions about SAG that I want to make sure we get to as we jump along here. Grace Case said, what about commentary and drama channels who use other clips? This gets into that SAG detail. I think that when it comes to other clips, SAG might be just asking about the monetized commercial content. So we'll see. But it could mean that channels that rely heavily on fair use might not qualify under that. We're going to have to wait for more guidance on that. Um, Weird. This is flying right along. I totally get it. I totally get it. Couldn't he have then joined as an actor? Some could just join as an actor if they qualify, but they have to do traditional commercial work. Um, what are, do you know, I don't know what the acting qualifications are. Is it paid commercial work or paid certain amount of days of paid work? Yeah, there's different rules about it. I mean, there's different ways you can get in one. Like I said, I don't know if it still stands, but it was like, if you're the only shot on camera, um, you know, I went after some money once because I was in a commercial that they paid everyone. And then they, you know, are we all supposed to, we're supposed to be leads. And this leads into residuals where, you know, so on a bet, you do a commercial, a TV commercial as a SAG actor, and let's say you get paid the, oh boy, now I don't even know the rates, 500 no, okay. bucks you get day. paid the rate. <laughs> you get paid the day rate, yes. Yeah. But then but then the commercial starts airing on TV, and and you get residuals. You get, you get money that, you get money coming your way after the fact. And back in the day, and like in the 80s and stuff, you know, if you were the old guy that did the Santa Claus commercial for Coca-Cola that they ran for four years in a row, and I met one of these Santas, he told me he would make $100,000 every year because they would run that same commercial and you get paid. My first, I'm not, uh, you know, my first Pop-Tarts commercial, I think over three years or something, I made like $40,000 or something like that. I mean, like good money, 14 years old. That, was that? Sorry. I said you promptly turned around and bought a DeLorean. I did promptly. <laughs> That was another year fight with my parents. It was eight months or so to get into acting class, about a year to get them to convince really? me to, to allow me to buy a DeLorean. That was my duck's money. Uh, Scott, Scott drove a DeLorean to school. 
I drove did. a yellow Volvo. Scott had the glory. I remember Volvo. that yellow Volvo too. <laughs> yeah. my parents. My parents bought it the year that we were born, which we don't need to say on the stream. That's my parents amazing. bought it the year that we were born. That wow. is how old that Volvo was. That is so fantastic. Oh, that's so great. Our first cars. And I, you know, and I Your bought it. Your car was way cooler. Well, it was also way worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, you know, so I got the car and it, and it cost at the time DeLoreans were, it was like six, 15 grand, 16 grand, something like that. So I bought the car from this older couple. I was part of the DeLorean owners association oh, membership thing. This older couple who was really nice, who invited me to all these events. They had two cars. One was theirs that they drove around. One was the show car for events and things. And that was the nice clean. So they sold me the nice clean car with the understanding that I would sell it back to them when I was done with it or when I wanted to sell it. They had first. So I bought it for 16. I put like 8,000 into it to get it fixed up. Went to the set of the Mighty Ducks like, this is my car, everybody. Oh, cool. Hey, let's hear the engine, man. Car didn't start. And then here I am, everyone's leaving set, and I'm sitting in my car waiting for, you know, a, 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 a one of the A's, triple A's, we'll call it. No, I'm no, waiting for AA to AA. show up to be like, hey, you've been drinking the keys. It goes in the ignition here. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, a triple A to show. And every literally the whole crew was driving. But do you need any help? No, no, I'm fine. We've got triple A's on their way. <laughs> They're going to tow it. So, you know, first that's yeah. the first day of showing the car. It was a, you'd step on the gas to get on the freeway. The car would like slow down. Like, well, I can't do, I can't speed up right now. <laughs> 88 uh, miles an hour. No you would be in time because the car was shaking by the time you got to 75 so bad that by the, you got to 88. At like 70. <laughs> I think it was my parents' master plan that the car really couldn't go over about 65. Right. We, so you can't be the racing demon that I definitely <laughs> tried. We definitely yeah. tried. We, you could foot, fit two full grown water pole players in the trunk of that car. And I know because I did it on more than one occasion. Shit that's not safe. That's amazing. But you can fit like two six foot four dudes in the back of that well, car. How many have you ever how many people did you have the most in your car? Did you have her packing? Oh my dad is watching. Uh okay. Um, I think the most we ever got into the Volvo was like 13 people. <laughs> it was a big car. It's and I was one of the few that had and it was mostly the polo team because I I always drove everywhere, but I also got pretty car sick. So I was always like, I'll drive. <laughs> so it, was, it was totally fine for me. That's we are going to keep popping along. Scott's like, yep. This is amazing. This is like <laughs> the best thing ever. You know, I normally don't do these sort of things, but you asked me and come on, man. I couldn't. I, know. I couldn't and and, and you don't. Why don't you normally do these kinds of things? Um, One, you, I don't know. You know, I'm always kind of in this. End, I'm, I, to be perfectly honest, I feel like I'm saving it for a rainy day. Like I feel I always feel you know, I booked the next big thing or whatever. And I get so excited. I'm like, this is it. And then by the time it comes out and stuff and I can announce and talk about this stuff, I go, eh, I don't know if now's the time I have this whole idea that someday I'm just going to like become not an influencer, you but I feel it. Yeah. I'm just going to become a sellout is what it's going to be. And I'm just <laughs> going to go, you want me on any podcast? I'll do it. But right now I'm kind of like a little bit like, Oh, well, let me just get a history behind me so I can not just talk about the mighty ducks stuff or, you know, I can kind of, we, we, there'll be 25,000, not really, but there'll be a lot of way, a lot of yeah. ways to connect with me. It's like, you know, I became the voice of crash bandicoot last year, which was a huge, Very I played exciting. the games growing up and like, that would be a dream of mine. And then it became a dream and it, or the dream became a reality. And now I'm like, Hey guys, I'm the voice of crash bandicoot. Wait, wait, don't tell Let's just keep that under wraps because no. they, at comic cons eventually when i start doing comic cons and i'm always just holding off instead of just sharing God, you, you know have I mean? a massive 
fucking <laughs> resume. Thanks. I know. I'm just years beyond the Mighty Ducks. I mean, yeah. how many different brands are you the voice of? Um, I'm the voice right now of of like uh, Patron Tequila. I'm the voice of ZipRecruiter. You, you held it up. You're like Patron Tequila. You can go ahead and hashtag not sponsored, but Patron. Patron Tequila. Your boys representing you well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they've been so good. To, I This was like two months of me them trying to we us working together trying to figure out the voice and then and then they disappeared for a month and i went well that was a fun waste of time for two months pretending i could be the voice of patron and they literally sent me an email saying hey you got two weeks pack your bags we have to fly you down to jalisco mexico jalisco jalisco mexico to teach you about the whole tequila making process and then at that point i thought this is a joke. Now you've just been doing this for two months to F with me. Now you're fucking and, with me. Yeah. And then they sent the tickets, first class and everything. And then I went and I had, the, I mean, I had the most amazing, I fell in love with the Patron tequila making process, everyone that worked there. I mean, it's, it's a, it was an unbelievable eye-opening experience and it forever changed me. And not only that, that was, that was an amazing perk, you know, to just yep. take a trip to then just come home and go, Patron tequila, you know, or do these videos explaining the tequila process. But that's what they do with everyone. That's they They really say we're a family and they really mean it. You know, my name is on this brass thing on their Patron tree of life where it's like it's the Patron family and you get to yeah. put your name on the tree and it stays there forever, you know. Uh, so it, that's yeah. really cool yeah. though. Voicing, like giving a brand a voice is how people connect. It's why are you on Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app yet? No, I'm waiting for the invite from you. <laughs> oh, I'll send you an invite. I've recently found out about the whole clubhouse. No, I'll send you an invite. Hashtag okay, boomer, right here. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, same. Um, but clubhouse is really voice only, and I think it's the reason podcasts have also grown so much. Is there's something very intimate about a voice and about hearing someone's voice and about connecting with a voice. Yes, video is one thing, but there's something different about just a voice and voicing a brand is a very big way for people to connect. You give the personality and the life to an inanimate thing. I, I You downplay it and you're like, it's it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because that's how people are connecting to brands and how brands are making themselves more relevant. Yeah. And then, and, and yeah, you're speaking of what they're selling. You know, it, it's it's a psychology. Uh, you know, what, you have to break down like, what it, what are they selling? It's not just a car. It's they're selling luxury in life. You right. know, how do you use your voice? How do you translate luxury? You know, it goes beyond. I'm selling Matthew McConaughey driving in his. Uh, well, in I, was, his I was just sort of sitting there thinking about things. I love Matthew McConaughey. I'm actually working on these sketches right now where it's like Matthew McConaughey in his car just sitting outside of Taco Bell going, a burrito would be so good right now, but. Man, if there's no toilet around, we're all on lockdown. How am I going to get, you know? <laughs> but I have a, yeah, I have a, but so good. I have sketch ideas that I'm, uh, I've, you know, last year I started assembling. I bought cameras, I bought microphones, I bought lighting, and I'm going to start creating this stuff. And right before I had a team of people and we were all going to like, we put together a production team, we put money in the bank, we were like, here's our budgets and everything. And then like two weeks later, everything went to crap and, and, and it, it all just kind of fizzled out. I hope I can pick up got a camera and a ring light, get on TikTok. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll do the sketches. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm actually on TikTok. No one knows it's me. 
because I'm wearing a costume and all I do is dance and no one knows it's me. And it's I love that. It's amazing. And you'll never find me because I only, you know, but I got to put up more stuff. It's just, yeah, it's just, I wanted to just do something, but I didn't want to, again, it was like, I don't want to be me. No one wants me yet. That's you know, I have to earn me. Fascinating. I mean, I know you, you put you behind your characters, but you have done, like, you've been a child actor. You've been a voice actor. You've been a commercial actor. You've been a movie actor. You've run a show as a lead on a seasonal show. That's, it's so much different experience and there aren't a ton of people who have such a varied experience and are willing to talk about like, this is the varied experience that I've had. It's a, it's fascinating. Truly. I'm I'm very, I'm very lucky in everything that I've done and I'm, and I'm so grateful for everything, but I can now go back being the person I am now, which only has happened in the last three years that I've really become myself. Um, but I can say that a lot of that was just insecurity, you know, like I had friends and everything growing up, but I always was into my own thing with the, toys and the voices and the acting and stuff and i was not in a bad way but i but i was just insecure i didn't know really where i kind of fit in like looking back you know girl and, on the water polo team also didn't know where this I fit. is why watching your ted talk i was like man it's so amazing when you get to this point where you realize the past or realize past things so i can say now that it's all sort of an insecurity thing and now i'm slowly not slowly. I feel I'm a lot more in the last like two years, especially I've become my own person and I'm very secure in my own shoes now. And I know who I am. So I know who I was, but that's also feeds into why I've been hesitant because it's like, man, I was so insecure and just like, not sure. I loved what I was doing, but I wasn't thinking about like, do people love me? Or cause I just thought in my head, like, I'm just lucky to be here and forever. I'm lucky to be here. And the thought of like, this whole career has been a joke and it's all going to go away tomorrow. And that insecurity is still here with yeah. me when I do voice job. I don't think it ever really goes, no. you know, but, but there's always that thing like, man, has this been a 30 year joke in my career? Like, and tomorrow everything will get <laughs> washed up and go. get a real job. <laughs> yeah. I feel I'm going to be 70 retired and I'll be like, I think everything's gone away. Cause it was a joke. It was a play on me the whole time, you know, but, but yeah, it's really, um, but yeah, now who I am, I, I know that, yeah, that's I need to just take more steps towards becoming this secure person who is like, fuck it, this is who I am. I'm going to be me. And hopefully people will want to go on this journey with me because I have great ideas, sketches. I want to reunite the cast of City Guys. I want to get them ducks on a podcast. I want to, there's so many ideas that I know I can make happen. It's just me coming, going, yeah, yeah, I believe in that. I believe in that. And people, you know, even five people like it then that's then it's a sixth person in me and it's worth doing so but it's just so interesting <laughs> to hear your perception of kind of yourself because i look at what you do there's so much skill behind being able to do something different with your voice and you're like you've created a career out of what you naturally loved and so it doesn't feel like work you're like but it's not work it's play but that's okay yeah. it's okay to make money doing what you fucking love to do that's yeah. all right. That's like the goal. Nobody tells us that's the goal because we grew right. up, what, get a job. Like, what's your job? Do a job, do a thing. Mm -hmm. But creating a world around what you love to do is what we get to do. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, and going back to that TED talk that you did, that, you know, knowing your, learning your whole story and everything and filling in those pieces I didn't know was one thing and amazing. But then when you switched it and you turned it to the, the, the focus of the TED talk of like, people say, what do you do and how you're trained and reverse engineer your life? Where do you want to be? And I mean, I think I didn't sleep most of last night because I was sitting there going, wow, re-engineering, what do I want? Like, how do I, at any point in your life, 
even I've had, I'm, you know, by many standards, I'm, I'm doing what I love. I'm successful at it. I'm so lucky. I'm grateful. I love what I do. But there is an element that immediately I responded to going, what do I want to do? Because this is my life. I step in this yeah. four by six room. No one bugs me all day. It's my way. I step in here and I've realized I avoid everything out there. COVID, it's so bad. All my musician friends aren't working, haven't been for even longer than the COVID. Yeah. You know, there's so many things, but I come in here and then I just focus. And I work sometimes from 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. just doing auditions, doing jobs, doing whatever, because I just avoid having to focus on that stuff. It's all, but, but, but when you said, you know, you said what you said, it's like, man, I've thought forever. I just, it would be nice to have a place in Hawaii and just, you know, live on the beach and, you know, or whatever. And it's you like, how do I re the blue blocks in Hawaii, you know, you could, you could believe me when you said that last night, I sat there going, okay, so I need the studio in the room in Hawaii and I need to, you know, or whatever. I mean, it can happen. And now with everything going on now, I think the business is going to change because I've done everything in this booth that I would have to drive out to Burbank for. We're talking the biggest Pixar movies, Disney movies, Marvel films, Warner Brothers films. I've done in this booth on this microphone with some of the biggest producers, you know, that you I yeah. can't break NDAs, you know, no. but, but I've been on the line calling, talking to these people and like we're friends, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and they need my help to be there. It's amazing. You, yeah, you don't have to be there anymore. I mean, and like, and they don't want stuff to leak. They say, hey, no, blah, blah. I have on my hard drive some of the some of these films that like if this stuff leaked, it would end. You know, I'm just right. I, I you know, I erase them when they're gone. You know, I respect all those them. rules, too. I don't hold on to stuff for any other because I, I don't want anyone to hack into my stuff. And all of a sudden the new movies on. But, Absolutely. But it's funny how the whole shift has changed from like, you won't know the sides or the film until you get on set. And now it's like, hey, you're going to be working on this. We're sending you the whole movie. Make sure that you, you know, it's like, OK, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm so, I'm in such a lucky position. I love what I do. And download. They were they were a sponsor on the channel, which is why. Great question from Joe Scott. How was it recording the voice in Sims Four with their language? Ah, so so big a dag, Max Storbge. So so to all my Sims fans, yeah, Joe. It was working on the Sims, which I'm still working on. We've been doing that now for eight years. It is an absolutely, it's a gift from the gods because not only. Has, have I grown so much? Because to speak in a foreign language or is one thing. To speak right. in another language is another thing. And to do that in a session where we wake up, we start at 10 a.m., we go till 6 p.m. speaking gibberish all day long. It's usually two of us in a room, so it's usually a guy and a girl so they can easily edit the female yeah. and the male voices. Um, but we just, it's absolutely a blast. The whole cast is amazing. Um, my brain has become three times because I'm, it's not 30 times, it's three times faster. I'm getting older. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know, it's, it's tough. It's such a challenge. Um, it, it's, it's a fun challenge that I don't think everyone is up for because at the end of the day, it really takes a certain type of person that, that can just stay in that world of crazy. I mean, there is something in my mind that just, I'm no Robin Williams, but Robin Williams said once that he, when he gets on stage, he turns something on or he allows the floodgates to open and he almost loses himself and it just, it just floods out. And while I'm no Robin Williams, don't start quoting me on anything, <laughs> but I know that feeling of like, there's times in my career when I have definitely been in the zone where this brain just, this front part turns off 
and it's just stuff flows out and it's like and i've become known now by some people and jobs and stuff where i'm like the gibberish guy because for some reason i can just talk into beaver sabbate and sabbate uh gobbins nabano uh for my neighbor guy you know <laughs> i don't know how it happens how many minions movies have we all loved where it's like this quasi half language, but it's, it's a, that, that creativity that you're talking about being able to not judge it and just let it happen is not a skill that everybody has for yeah. sure. That does so many voices. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I'd say right now I do a Morgan Freeman that I'm really enjoying. And of course they, we have, um, well, we have a bit of, um, in the world where we see a leopard on the Serengeti. <laughs> and of course, Homer Simpson is someone that I've always been happy to do. Actually, I got into voice acting because I uh, had a Homer Simpson uh, voice that I had been doing a long time. I'll just do this whole segment as Homer Simpson. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> um, but a big voice actor friend of mine when I was wanting to get into voice acting. Speaking of when I said I was always kind of someone led me through something. Getting into the voice acting world is probably harder than it is to get into the on-camera world. But I had a friend who's an amazing... As long as I've known you. Yeah. I mean, that's just... Yeah. I've been doing that Yeah, forever. forever. Since I can remember. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, so I was, I'd always kind of worked on my Homer impression and, uh, and a friend of mine who was a voice actor knew I wanted to get into voice acting, um, called me up and said, Hey, they're looking for Homer Simpson for these video games. I know you do a good one. Come over to my house. I know you want to get into voice acting. I know the casting lady. I'll record you. We'll, I'll submit it. We'll just see what happens. Well, I booked it. I then worked the job. My very first voice acting audition and job was voicing Homer Simpson for these, uh, video game, these flip phone video games. And because uh, they didn't have the budget for Dan. Right. And then like a week after I booked that job, I got a random call from the agency who represents the real Homer, Dan Castellaneta, and said, hey, we heard you booked the Simpsons gig. Would you like to get into voice acting? And I thought, would I ever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how I got into voice acting. I didn't I have that. to, again, audition for an agency. I didn't have to make a demo and send it to everyone in town. It just happened. I'm so I'm so lucky. I don't I don't know. It's just everyone has their story. And, and it just kind of. I don't know. People say, you know, Scott, you're a good guy and, and good things happen to good people. And I hope that that's true. I hope that everyone if, if, happened for you and you are a good guy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here's another question from people who know you, because we haven't even talked about this yet. King yeah. Quinn, what was it like working with the cast of that 70s show? Absolutely the best experience. I mean, they I was lucky enough to be in the last episode of the first season um, the week that I was there, everyone was, again, I walked onto that set and Topher Grace immediately was like, oh my God, city guys. And it was, a, you know, <laughs> so he was a no one from where, uh, Indiana or wherever he was from. And, and we, you know, I was there in the very beginning when, when there weren't, I don't know if egos came out or whatever you hear, you always hear stories. Everyone was so nice on that set. Um, you know, they hadn't gotten their little clicks and it was, they were still just happy to be there. They found out that week they got picked up for season two and three. So they said, Hey, Scott, come to the rap party. We're just having, we're having a blowout and they had cake and it was, and everyone was like treating me like I was a regular on the show with them. Topher and I became good friends for a number of years. I was lucky enough to watch Topher's career absolutely take off and sit in the room when, I won't share certain things just out of privacy, but but there were when he was like Scott, they offered me a lead role in a my first lead role in the film opposite of huge name actor, 
and I don't think I'm going to take it. And I was like, what? And he, and, and it was like, well, you know, like, I, I just don't know if that's the right move for my career at this point. And it was, you know, like a dream job in my mind was a, as these people became more famous and huge that, beca- you know, it's like another level. I would sit in these rooms when they would have these, um, these like PR meetings of like, how do we expose that these two are going to dinner together? Okay. We'll take them to this restaurant. Well, I mean like a whole behind the scenes thing of Hollywood that I never saw, but working on that show was an absolute blast. I originally, my character, I didn't book it at first. Um, they hired someone else. I was so bummed because I so nailed that job. And it was one of the most fun jobs I've ever the cast, the crew sang my lines in front of the live audience as they screamed as I did the, oh, you'll pay for this form. And, you know, Donna will be mine. You know, it was just so And I had the long hair. So when I did the turn, it flipped like Darth Vader's cape and stuff. I loved every second and every line I had on that show. And I was supposed to do three episodes. I did the end of the first season. I was supposed to do two more coming back to the next season. Unfortunately, I was doing City Guys, and it became a conflict of studios. NBC wouldn't let me out of the City Guys contract to do more that 70s show. And so, uh, you know, it happened. But it was the most fantastic week that led to a great friendship for a number of years with me and Topher. And, th- and then stuff just happens. You know, Topher's great dude. It's not like we had any falling out or anything. It was just he became too busy. There, and now I'm segueing to something and we're going to run out of time. But um, but I was one of my first early on, I booked a, a Batman video game and I booked uh, Battlefield 2. And I was running back and forth between the studios. And the <laughs> Batman game, I was doing four hours of, hey, it's Catwoman. Hey, go, hey, Batsy, I could fight. And then I go to the next session where it was just screaming, grenade, you know, screaming as loud as I can for three days in a row. And on day one, I lost my voice. Day two, I went into my ENT the next morning and got the steroid shot, which basically gets your voice back up to running speed for the next few hours. Went in, screamed out of that next two days, went in for another shot on day three and went back. I mean, like, yeah, and steroid shots, you know, they after years they can do. I only take steroid when when it's desperate and I can't speak. But but that was my first experience of vocal stress, yelling too much. My agent even said, maybe you shouldn't take both the gigs. But I was starting. I was like, I could do anything, you know, yeah. and yeah. I learned. Learn. Have you ever turned down a job because it didn't feel right or wasn't your vibe? Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's been times when when, um, you know, especially as we get older, you know, <laughs> you learn that no is, you know, they always say no is the most powerful thing you can say in Hollywood. But no is it's just a more the most powerful thing you could say for yourself, you know. And yeah, wait one more for the people in the back. One more for the people in the back. No is the most powerful thing you can say for yourself. Yeah, that's my TED talk. It's that, a little short. Thanks for coming to Scott's TED talk, everybody. <laughs> Have a great. Time. I'm teasing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, though. Yeah, yeah. Saying no because of either rates or because of uh, just not wanting to be in that position or wanting to spend. You know, working on a film, you're making a big commitment. Maybe you don't want to make that. I don't know if I could do a Marvel film and train for eight months to become some you know, Jack to do. I don't know. I'd be Hawkeye all day long. I'm like, (laughs) you're going to take me out. You're going to, and my son and I have started doing competitive archery. I love it. But you get, I get to train doing all this stuff. You're going to feed me. You're going to tell me I'm great. You're going to have a hair and makeup. But I imagine that that is only cool for so long because it's also away from family. It's a lot of work. It's long days. It seems very cool from the outside being like, wait, you just control my life and tell me what to do. I'm in. I love it. <laughs> There's so much great about it. But 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 when you look, especially like these training, because it's like, I'd like to be a superhero. Well, that requires all that physical stuff. And you watch any of these videos on YouTube of like, you know, any of these actors, what it's like. to, And they all say the same thing. It's miserable. 
you eat cod every day. It's the worst thing. You're just, you're always so full feeling and you just feel like throwing up. And I don't want to do that for eight months to end up looking like, you know, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like going to conventions? Are conventions a lot of fun? Forget it. I Yes. (laughs) I go to conventions incognito. Like I'm usually in a costume. Like last two years ago, I went to this. I go to this L.A. Comic Con every year. Uh, It's run by this. We do a panel, this voice acting panel with my good friend Kiff. Down in San Diego as well or just the one up at the L.A. convention? This is the one at the L.A. Yeah, the Stan Lee's L.A. Comic Con. Mm -hmm. Um, The ultimate is kind of the San Diego one. And I've been there and I've been drunk. But my, my whole thing was... And I've been there and I've been drunk. That's awkward. Um, but I was drunk and I was there. But I did say to myself, I'm only going back there if, if I'm going there for work, you know, at some point. Because it's such chaos just to find parking and hotels and and you have to, it's too much. So it's too crowded. But LA, I go around two years ago, I, I had a full Jason costume, Friday the 13th, full circle, the horror film. And I just walked around the whole day. I didn't say anything. Even I went with my buddy, Steve, and I, my other voice friend, Eric Lopez. And I just walked around the whole day and caught, didn't say a word. And just people walking by going, oh, my God. Like, I am so about cosplay and costumes and doing all that. I have a full Kylo Ren costume. Because actually, last year, I wanted to get involved with, like, St. Jude's stuff. and But I wanted to go to children, children's hospitals and do that sort of thing. I was like, it's time. Like, I've always wanted to. Yeah. And then COVID hit. and But I have a full Kylo Ren costume. Yeah. And then I thought, what would I do at this point? So I had the costume. I would hop on Instagram Live. And I would just start harassing people in my Kylo Ren costume and say, like, join the dark side. Like... <laughs> That's for OnlyFans. That's Scott's OnlyFans. <laughs> that's my OnlyFans. Yeah, that's doing Kylo Ren costume, no shirt, and I just harass people. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. How <laughs> like, it go wrong? It'll be. It'll be very, very fun. <laughs> <It's so awkward. laughs> I think you're going to get a lot of requests for more of you sharing and sharing your stories and sharing what you've learned. I mean, a takeaway for creators is it's 400 auditions. It's 800 auditions. But then it's Mighty Ducks. Then it's getting to be Crash Bandicoot. Then it's, you know, if you love doing what you're doing, auditions are always a chance to keep perfecting what you're doing and keep yeah. moving towards the next thing. And that lesson is so important to hear from someone as successful as you. And I appreciate you for sharing it. The the two takeaways are just keep doing what you're doing to get where you, you know, keep doing what you love to get where you're going. And, um, and yeah. And just, just know it takes time for anything. You have to put in those 10,000 hours and sometimes 10,000 hours is two hours and one lucky audition for someone. And it could be 40,000 hours for another person. Absolutely. I'm probably more of the 40,000 hour, but that's fine. I'm the slow burn. And hopefully that leads me to have a long career in the long run. I'm here. To, I'm here career. to stay. <laughs> You've already had a long career. No one's getting rid of you. You're like, we'll do <sighs> We'll do voice. We'll do this. I know. I just want to go to sleep, Emily. I'm so tired these days. (sighs) Old Scott. I know. (laughs) Take your ginkgo biloba. That's actually why I'm here. Just to make sure you're taking your pills. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're going to throw it out and then you and I get to chat. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Lonards. Nerds.